Welcome and thank you for tuning into Organ in the podcast of Ology Research Group, exploring contemporary social issues via data, insights, and change. There are multiple management styles in today's environment which try to explore how we can best teach and grow our teams. On this episode, we discuss the concept of treating your team like family in the sense that you'll do whatever you need to make them feel supported and happy. What are the pros and cons of this model? And how is this feasible given that in today's competitive hiring marketplace, you usually have about 30 minutes to vet a candidate? We invite you to join our table. Let's discuss from New York City. We have myself, Carl, and recording from Los Angeles, we have... Hey there, Casey. And Courtney. <laughs> Casey, you want to take it away? No, I'll give it to Courtney. Okay, I'll take boss. it away. Um... So I think we, this kind of topic gets maybe touched upon quite often. It's just, I was reading a book called Leaders Eat First by Simon Sinek, I believe. Um, and it had a lot of anecdotes about like when you hire someone on your team, like firing people first shouldn't be your mentality, even though it was like, it seems like the best solution. I think it made a case where it might have been the Reagan administration where they just decided to fire a whole bunch of people to fix the budget. Then people used that, oh, the president can do it, we can do it. So it kind of took away the, I guess, bias that around it, which I thought was kind of just an interesting anecdote overall. But I think from a family perspective, I was, I'm trying to adopt it more with my team. But I think then you get into instances where what if someone's actually doing and super detrimental work to your team? What if they're not contributing? Like, how are you supposed to manage that if like you have a large team and this person is taking up a whole bunch of your time where now you're suffering for it? And I guess there's always the catch all that. Oh, yeah, well, I could always let them go. But if you're trying to preach this family is the team dynamic, how do you handle that? Like, I think that's where I get stuck on this. I don't know if you guys have any opinions about that particularly. I guess Carl or Casey, if anyone you've managed in the past that maybe you don't, you're not on the same page with. Yeah. Yeah. It's happened before. Um, I think it, when it's a small team, I guess it, it could be different depending on the size of the team. Also, when you have a pretty large team, you can't really spend a whole lot of time on everybody. So you can't um, kind of preach this family setting thing. Um, and when you have a small group and you are able to, to commit more time to each uh, staff member, and make them feel like they're supported, like you care a lot about them and that you want to see them grow and, and whatnot. I guess the con is that when somebody in the team doesn't buy into that family kind of like environment, they start to feel like they're being ostracized uh, inadvertently. Um, not that you're doing it on purpose, but more so like, oh, well, you know, the the, the seven of them are always talking and going out to lunch together and blah 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 and I can't because on my lunch breaks I have to do my homework because I'm in grad school or I have to you know go check on check up on my kid who's in the daycare around the corner so for whatever reason like some people might not be able to um, subscribe to that environment and they might feel um, like they're left out 
So how would you fix that? Or is it not a fixable problem? Like, what would the alternative be? So a lot of times I get asked in interviews what my management style is. And I tell them the truth, right? As you should in interviews, right? But usually we don't. I tell them that my management style is adaptive. So I'm a coach whenever somebody needs me to be a coach. I'm a mentor when they need me to be a mentor. Or I'm just, I just sit in the sidelines and just give them high five whenever they need it. Um, if, if, you know, one person doesn't really require as much time and it has actually landed, um, it resulted in me getting job offers. So I know that that's a good answer. Uh, and I think it's been pretty helpful, um, to be adaptive and, and work with everybody on a one-on-one basis. And then when everybody's together in a group to keep it very formal, that's my style. Mm. What about you, Casey? Are you more formal in a group or are you more personable overall? I feel like it's the second just because of how you interact overall. But I'm just wondering how, like, you handle this type of approach. In what regard, like, working the team or... Like, trying to inspire the team. Like, to me, I think, at least from my point of view, since I care and I'm, I'm, like... I have the opportunity to treat my team like this. I think it's helped from a retention standpoint because they know I'm not being shady or whatever. Like it's truly that I care about them. But then you get stuck like when you're trying to give people extra attention because they need it. And it's kind of to Carl's points about being adaptive. But like if I talk to my uncle, for example, he's like, no, you don't make friends with your people who you work with. But he's from an older generation. So it's a little different. So I'm just wondering what the balance between the two or the ideal balance between the two from your perspective would be. Uh, Yeah, this is like an existential question. (laughs) Uh, When I work with a team, I think myself as the mentor, especially when I know something like, like the other day, I, I was working with two other colleagues and they don't really much about statistics but so i i spend a lot of time kind of helping them with the process but then when i work with them i make the assumption that they're going to teach me a lot i'm only going to teach them what i know so they can teach me more about what they know it's more like a team collaborative i I don't um our team works more in the matrix anyway so we don't have direct hierarchical power even what those ahead of me like wall just like more of a teamwork but i think i was seeing what you're saying early about firing someone and i think that's okay like life will continue it's okay if they're not gonna work in organization then it doesn't work it's fine i mean i think a problem now is we put way too much identity into work and we were we're creating this anxiety where like, oh my gosh, like they're the part of my group. I have to make them successful. You know, they ha- have to do this. I have to do that. You know, I-, I care about their growth. And the truth is, I don't think, I think, I think if you really care about someone who is under you, you'll make an effort. But if, if you do feel like they're not a good match, then it's time to let them go. And it might be good that you let them go now so they can find something even better. Um, mm-hmm. that's my perspective but then I also think like especially these days where people find so much attachment in their workplace setting that letting people go is harder now or scarier to a lot of people than it used to be 
you know before you used to be able to just let someone go like let's say when the the bulk or the majority of the workforce was you know like typically blue collar let's say and you get fired like "Eh, you know whatever i'll just go find a job somewhere else and it happened to me too when when i used to work at the mall for example and i was uh, threatened of being let go i was like all right i'll just go work across the hall you know what i mean Mm -hmm. because it was like that was um the the place that i was at in terms of my career but where when somebody puts in like all of their education and you know pulls out tons of student loans and puts a lot of risk into getting someplace specifically and then you know to slash them by saying that it doesn't work out it can be very catastrophic for someone especially if they have a very um like a very specific job where they might have to just pack up and move across the country for 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 mm-hmm. another job and if they have a family and such but i think for me the best way to let somebody go is just to let them know that it's not working out and to encourage them to find something else and just giving them a really great reference and you know helping them to start to uh, engage in an aggressive search and potentially even giving them like a last day everyone gets fired at some point in the career either is downsizing or because the company decides to let them go. I mean, I was fired once, one time, and it sucked. But the thing was, I'm glad that happened because, A, um, I didn't like working for the people at the time, and B, I wasn't really growing, and C, I made more money getting a new job. So I think this is like multiple ways to look at it. Um, yeah, it sucked. I mean, my self-esteem went down for a while. But then I realized, like, hey, you know what? It's okay. You know, there's more to life than work, and there's more to life than work for people who you don't value or who don't who who, who you're not nourishing and growing. And oh my oh my god! Like, I'm so glad you said this. I was just reading this article about uh, it was interviewing career coaches, and they're like top five things that you that people tell you that you get wrong. And one of the thing was. Um, stick with the job even you hate it and the argument is like what the, one of the coaches was saying that's horrible advice you, we're not puritans we don't need to work like crazy like that's not identity mm-hmm. if it doesn't work for you then it's time to move on and i think it goes both way because you if you have a bad relationship with a partner or a boyfriend or husband mm-hmm. you don't want to like and, and the only investing 50 percent of it you don't want to like continue that's not good move on Sorry, like that's my, my perspective. I guess I'm very <laughs> metal at this point. I think it's harder, though. Like, with the younger generation, it's... Or not younger generation, but there's a lot of people who I know. One, there's, like, the people who are really ambitious, right? And then there's, mm-hmm. two, the people who are really good workers, but they're okay with where they're at. So it's hard to, like, motivate them to extend themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think it then becomes difficult to where you still need those people who don't want to be overly ambitious, but how do you maintain their motivation where they're okay with staying at work? It's not like if people are kicking ass day to day, like how are you going to give the person who's just doing like an average job, which is just doing their job, like compensation to match that. And it's like tailoring their growth plan based on what they want. Like, Oh, okay. You're going to leave by six every day. This is just what you want out of this career. I think, a lot of people, even though they want that, aren't willing to admit that that's what they want. But you know, you, you think- know what? Like, I've I've also worked with people like 
exactly how how you're saying corny that they're just like oh mm-hmm. i'm just here to get my check and that's it you know like i qualify for this job academically and with work experience you know mm-hmm. i don't i don't even really need this job because you know i have a super wealthy spouse so i'm just here to do you know whatever and i think that eventually when they're surrounded by people that are very um that are go-getters and that are very determined that they're, they're reaching higher and stuff like that that they'll eventually start to get bored and they'll fall off the tree on their own. Mm-hmm. I question for you, Courtney. Yeah. Is your intention not you? I'm not saying you, but I'm just saying general. Is it your intention to make them grow to fit your idea of what work should be, or is it okay for someone to say this is not why I put my priorities? Like my priorities family or something else and this is something to get by and i understand that but i'm just genuinely not motivated does that conflict against your value as someone who's a go-getter and high achiever and and like is that more of a personal affront to you your worldview or like what's the problem with that i guess i don't i don't think there's a problem with it like i'm okay with supporting someone who just wants to come to work for a paycheck i think that's fine because you absolutely need people just to do work like you're if you have a team of 100 percent superstars all the time i don't know how you're going to manage all of those people because they're going to outgrow you and i think that's the goal um i think with the people who just like to come to work for a paycheck i think for them to understand and maybe to cross point they'll just leave anyways but for them to understand that, okay, this is what you want to do, that's totally fine. It's not a bad thing. But if that's what you're going to do, I'm not going to spend another extra 10% of hours trying to develop you to do something that you don't want to do. Because oh. I feel like if people see that or feel that, then they're like, well, Corny's ignoring me. But at the same time, I'm just more so delivering on what they want. But since people compare themselves to other people just out of natural habit, it becomes like, well, according now, you're not doing your job. I'm like, no, I'm doing what you told me. You're an adult. So this is what we're doing. Uh-huh. But then it kind of creates a little more drama in the fact that I take things very literally. So if you tell me what you want, I'm going to act upon what you want because I feel like we're adults to a certain degree. Uh-huh. But I've learned that adults don't know what they want. And if they, I do what they want and it's not really what they wanted to pan out, they get very upset. Oh. <laughs> which is an odd predicament because I'm like I'm not even 30 yet either but I feel like if I know I said something I will take responsibility for what I've said and then we'll work on fixing it versus being like well Corey I can't believe you did this while well, you're not paying attention and I'm like well it's what you wanted like two days ago so <laughs> it's Wednesday <laughs> it's not even Friday not even Friday yet. Maybe take a nap. Maybe everything will be better after your nap. Mm-hmm. Know. It makes it difficult. Yeah. I think people are just difficult in general. That's true. I guess yeah. you can't ever be perfect, which is something I've learned to where I am now that you can't make everyone happy. Things just happen. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. true. And I think it's especially harder for like middle management also because they mm-hmm. also report to others. So, I mean, the people who report to you, like you're that person to your manager also. Mm-hmm. Oh. So then it can also get like pretty competitive also amongst teams too. Sometimes the environment 
allows for that, like for competition too, and mm-hmm. conflicts can arise because of that. Yeah, because sometimes just from a business perspective, there's not enough money for all of these different things to happen. It's just a reality of a workplace. Like I'm not the CEO. I don't write checks for everyone. It just kind of makes hard. You can't just give everyone money. Mm-hmm. The world just doesn't work that way, unfortunately. Right. And you're missing like the political power of organizations like this. Mm-hmm. You no, know, it's very the higher you go up, the more political it is in general. Yeah. So, it's really not about the quality of work you do. It's just the, the in- intense personalities and conflict. Jeez, um, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> this is depressing. <laughs> it's not depressing. I would say it's more of a reality. And I feel like of all the podcasts and stuff that we do, I think it's just understanding maybe the worth of what you're working on, knowing it's okay. I feel like you, like to me, I, the reason why I posed the question is I was wondering if you guys had different point of, points of views on the topic. And I think Casey had a nice reminder that sometimes you just don't pr- put all the value of yourself into what you do because it's not necessary because there's things outside of that, mm-hmm. which was a nice reminder, which I thought was a nice like mm-hmm. nugget as a takeaway. Yeah, You're ideally, welcome. but there's, a, there's also lots of people <laughs> out there who... Like their job is their main identity and they'll, you know, mm-hmm. they, that's, it, it gives them a very enormous amount of satisfaction to do what they do. Can I be shady with that, with, with that comment? Mm-hmm. I despise working for those type of people or with them mm-hmm. because they're, in my experience, uh, and this is in my, just mine, is these type of people are very high strung, first of all. Second of all, they don't compromise well and they don't negotiate. And to me, these are the worst things in qualities of someone I look for or work with because it's like my way or the highway. The constantly that this expectations about how you should do your work because it mirrors their mind. It's frustrating work with, working with them. And I don't like that because it's like get a life. This yeah. is not it's like the those people like like the by right. the by the book people right the yeah the like yeah there's, it's just more like if you don't think like me then there's something wrong with you i mean that kind of like feeling that you work with mm-hmm. i don't know what what are your experience i would say i'm like that but i'm okay oh, with people having different i'm having but see, I, think, I think i think the difference is is because right now i like the only thing i have to focus on is work you know what I mean like anything outside of that like it's okay but that's what I want to focus all my time and energy on until like let's say maybe I start a family but I'm okay if that's not the same goal as everyone else like what we're talking about if they don't want to come to work and they don't geek out about other things that's fine my team actually makes fun of me for it and I don't care because it's I know my self-worth to a certain degree so just because I'm really geeky about work, I really like working long hours and stuff. I know if I push that to everyone on my team, everyone would probably quit within the next couple of weeks. Because I think the amount of like grind and hours and everything that I do is not normal. And I know it's not normal because I put everything I have into work right now. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, this is too between being work, I want to say workaholic, but having pride in your work and enjoying your work versus 
like your work being your only identity. I mean, you're, I, I, you're, you also do this, Ology. You mm-hmm. know, you've been doing with us for four years now, so that's like another identity. You're now your wife. I mean, and you go hike. You have a lot of interests. I, I'm not sure if that's. I'm talking about the people who like has no social life, like just constantly only fixated on work, like that one work. But that would be from your perspective, though, Casey. No, like I get. I bet you 100% from my team's perspective, it looks like I only work. Like they don't know me. They don't know like maybe everything I do outside of work. But they know if they send me an email, I'll respond within 30 minutes. Is it different being a hard worker versus a workaholic? I think it depends on how you want to define yourself. People will use labels just to use labels. Mm. What do you think, Carl? <laughs> <laughs> I I treat well for me. I I don't. I wouldn't consider my, that I've been in that role of like my job being my only identity maybe when i was working for the university because i was working at at the university i lived there and i went to school there (laughs) so obviously i couldn't escape it but for me when i go to work it's usually like a sprint as a i i would prefer to sprint throughout the day and just wear myself out as opposed to spending like more time beyond my my usual time but then when that happens I come off as extremely competitive to a lot of the people that I work with. So that has caused some issues. But mainly, I would say that I'm I'm in it for my personal growth. That's always been like number one. So even mm. though like, you know, I go to work and I do what I do. And then outside mm. of work, I also do other things for my own professional growth, like certificates and a second master's program and this and that. You know, I'm doing it to grow me. Not because I want to stay there. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, because like I feel like I'm. Well, I love working. Yeah, like for me, it's growth because I have this, I have the job, I do consulting, I do writing. I'm gonna write a book. I'm taking like a sem- like a writing seminar so I can write a book. I- I'm going back to school too to do data science. So, like, I will. I put myself the same caliber as you and Courtney in that like we're very driven in work and like very driven by what we want. But I don't consider myself that type of person who only are defined by the work. Mm-hmm. Like, like I do a lot of work, but that to me is not my definition of who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. Cause um, at the end of the day, you walk, you, you could put it down and walk away from it. Yeah, I could. And if, if they fire me, I'm like, okay, bye. You know, it, that was a long path, but but because I know that's not me. Like the me is the person who is driven, who has goals and ambitions, but not necessarily because I'm defined by the one thing. Mm-hmm. I don't. I guess we're like we're, we're like picking nuances of saying, but mm-hmm. yeah, I guess. And in the end, I agree with Courtney. It's all about labels, like what we label ourselves and what other labels us. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cool. Well, we're now at the 23 minute mark in the episode. Do we want to go and do round robin bottom lines? Sure. Sure. All right. You want to ask the first question, Courtney? Um, okay. Let's see. In your, if you were to use one interview adjective, what would it be for the manager you would want? Not the manager that you are, but the manager that you would want. 
Casey. Chill. That's the <laughs> one word I would want. Like, okay. I, what up? I, I had this amazing experience with the supervisor one time, and oh my god, well, manager, whatever. And he is such an awesome manager. Like, things could be following, like, okay, we'll make it work. We'll go we'll get it. And I just love that part because, you know, they set the framework for a lot of the, the, the room. They can make or break the, the environment, and things can go bad, and they always do. But the, the way they respond to it really helps the team. And, and I love that kind of management style for them, like, just chill and just relax. Mm-hmm. Can I give you more than one? Sure. <laughs> so then the, the first one is organized. Because mm-hmm. I have worked for people who have been extremely unorganized and they're stressed because they're not organized. And it stresses the team out because they're not organized and they don't know what they want. And these are the supervisors that will say like, oh, you know, uh, hope you had a great week and everybody today we're going to do blah, 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 blah. And then by Tuesday, they'll change their vision about what they want to do or what they want to accomplish or when you submit something it doesn't meet their expectations so organize would be one of them the next one would be hands off because i don't like having my hand held i don't like being micromanaged it's something that um, turns me off mm-hmm. in a supervisor and another is to be um inspiring i don't expect my supervisors to to be like a mentor to me or to like you know to have this expectation that they should what you know they should grow me or anything like that but i do need them to be like understanding of some of the goals that i might have and for them to you know just be understanding when it comes to you know if i want to go you know off site for an hour to like a uh like a free conference that's related to my interest to let me do that. Um, I would say mine would be, they would have to be respectable. And by that, I mean that I think they need to be someone I can look up to. And that's honest and everything that kind of goes into that. Um, Because if they're not, then I feel like I would leave almost immediately. (laughs) R-E-S-S-B-C-T. That's what I've been doing. <laughs> All right. Casey, your question. Your cue. Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, like, just um, just like reflecting on the answers, I feel like your each of the answers we ask is more like about us than the manager we're looking for. It's kind of like our values. Good job, Courtney. For psychoanalyzing us with one word. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so for me, um, okay, so we started talking about companies being a family. And I want to get your perspective on why or not that's a horrible metaphor. I mean, just saying, you, is it is it good to treat your coworkers as family? Uh, why or why not? Um, I can go first. I would say... It would be important, and I think it might be my definition of what family is. It means overextending yourself to make sure that someone feels supported and you're giving them the resources to do what they need to flourish. And I think within that, it also includes if you need to give them quote-unquote tough love, then that's what you need to do in the form of feedback, I guess you could say. Um, 
And I think it's important because it establishes maybe a value in someone that maybe they don't get it outside of work. And I think that does put a lot of maybe pressure on my end. But at the same time, these are the people you spend a majority of your day with five days out of the week. So why not treat them about people you care about? Because I do feel like if you truly care about the people you work with, better work comes out of it and better relationships come out of it. And it makes the whole kind of process of things a hundred percent more tolerable. Oh, I'm on the fence about that because I've been in, I've been in some environments where I've seen like groups of people that are very cohesive, you know, amongst colleagues and stuff. And I was like, damn, I wish that I was in that team. And then I've also been in other environments where, um, this kind of family setting, uh, decreases the productivity of the team because they are so cohesive as family, quote unquote, that there's usually lots of water cooler chats and lots of coffee breaks and nothing gets done. So I'm kind of on the fence about that. I, I'm, it, I would say that there should be a decent amount of cohesion amongst the, the group and it would be, it's cool to, go out with coworkers after work and go to happy hour and go to lunch here and there and to talk about some of the, the, the stressors of work and also, um, you know, helping them to overcome certain things or maybe give you like information that you didn't have that could be beneficial for you. Um, but when they're too much like family, I think it could be problematic. Okay. So my turn. I think using the metaphor of family with coworkers is a horrible idea, only because of this. Um, they're not your family, and you end up investing way too much emotionally and psychologically. And it, it's 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 you know like it's great if your team works out, but it's horrible if it doesn't work out. And I think it creates more tension on the individual. And I think in the end of the day, it ended up. Uh, you are there to do a work with a bunch of people and you have to learn to collaborate. You know, if it doesn't work out, then, you know, they could easily let you go. And you, and we, everyone who comes into work has that mentality. When you put an extra layer of expectations and say, oh, the close the people I want to connect with, want to share with, it creates um, this um, additional stress, especially if you're a leader, that you want to keep them and you want to grow them, you want to, like, you know, make them successful. It, it, it like messes the the connect the uh, the business professional level. So for me, I don't think it's good to have to consider a group that you're working with family because in the end, like they're not necessarily you, you might not stick along well with them, and yet it and you have to try, and it's just it's not successful. So I would say no. Okay, cool. And my question to the group is about interviewing. So obviously, it's well to some degree, it might be beneficial to to hire somebody who um, fits in the environment so to speak quote unquote so when you are interviewing somebody and you've never met them before and you're you know you're the spotlights on them for maybe a half hour or an hour how can you really tell if they're going to be a fit for the team or not Courtney? Um, so I usually do two things. I have, or well, there's three parts of an interview. There's the people who have the same day-to-day job. So they're checking to see if they'd be able or would like to do the same day-to-day job. 
then the supervisors ish do culture. And then I kind of come in over the top with selling in what we do as a team, but also I'm trying to vet out to see what their learning style is overall. And I'm very transparent with expectations because I think if all of you know me, I'm a bit of a crazy person sometimes. So I lay it all on the table and I ask for examples and I ask them for what they've done and like how they've been able to do like work through things. And if they don't have an answer, I think that's fine, but they're probably not going to work on my team because they need to be able to think on their feet to a certain degree. Um, So they usually have to have the qualities that work for my, like I have a templated thing of what I expect for answers. And if they're along those lines and usually I hire them, Um, but it goes into that. Like I, I need thick skin people because all my team does is talk trash to each other. And that's just because I kind of do that. Um, So those are the kinds of things that work into it. But I do think like tangible tests are very helpful because it requires things that you might not get within just conversation. So if it's a technical role, I highly recommend tests because, oh man, I've been surprised. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Mm -hmm. Casey? Um, for me, I propose a challenge that I have with work, like a thing that I'm working on, and I want to see how they think or connect with me, mm-hmm. just kind of bouncing ideas. So if we can bounce ideas and create something better, then I know that they're, they're a good workmate. Um, if they don't, then it's like, okay, then they're probably not going to be a good fit, at least not with me. That's mm-hmm. a cool idea. Yeah. For me, I have put together a test to make sure that <laughs> that the candidate um, is can actually put into practice what they say they do. It's one thing to say, yeah, I know how to use SPSS, as opposed to sending them an SPSS data set and seeing what they can do. So it helps to determine level of proficiency. But I know that there's lots of complex... Um, statistical analysis software that's out there but one thing that i've done in many interviews that i've that i've held over the last couple years is give a task that's excel based because everybody has access to excel right and all i'm really looking for is the candidate's ability to like build certain like uh, logical statements let's say so i want you know if i tell them like okay i need you to help to uh, put together a table that will read these seven things and you know do whatever let's see how you would do it and then there's candidates who say like oh i've been using excel for 27 years and then they'll do uh you know equals and then just click on like a thousand cells right all the way down as opposed to somebody who will hop in there and do something a little bit more quickly but also what i'm looking for too is communication skills um like uh like responsiveness too i'll give a deadline for these tasks and if they wait up until the very last minute that tells me that they probably will wait till the very last minute to submit things uh, like at work also because when you're interviewing you really want to be on your a game and you want to show them that you're the best candidate because you're literally competing for that position uh, against other people so you want to make sure that they're responsive, that um, they can communicate well if they have any questions that they reach out. And I think all of these little things will give you hints as to how they're going to be as staff members. Oh. Yep. All right. 
Well, um, that wraps up the episode. And now I'd like to turn to our listeners. What do you think? Are there any ideas for what you'd like to hear on the show? Make sure to drop us a line at info at ologyresearchgroup.org and also check out our website to learn about our awesome services. And if you're interested in donating in our cause, Ology is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, so all donations are tax deductible. Until next time. Hooray!